point? What, what is the point of all this? What is the point of, probably have asked, what is the point of church? What is the point of God? Maybe you have asked yourself, what is the point of being married? What is the point of even having children? What is the point of being rich? What is the point of getting educated? What is the point? And um, as we, as the end of the year approach, every between October and November, you know, I spend time seeking God, uh, trying to to figure out, like, God, where do you want to hear from God? Where do you want us to go for the following year? We're God. And I just hear God saying, listen, this is the question that people need to answer. What is the point? What, what is the point of your existence? Like, why in heaven's name am I here right now? What, what, what am I about? What am I doing? What is the point of celebrating a next birthday? Right? I don't know. Pe- people, people have these things like, what is the point of life? What makes life make sense? What is the point of Christmas? I mean, why, why put up Christmas trees and pepper lights only to take it down in January? Why spend $70,000 that you don't have on something that won't last? What is the point? It, there's no point to it, but I'm going to do it anyways because that is the point. The point is, there is no point. And then I kind of hear, all right, why not just, just get to the point? Just get to the point, the place where life wants you to be. So this morning, I want to begin by speaking to us. We're taking a break from the Watch Your Mouth series to talk about what is the point. And maybe you have been in church for a while, and I mean, so many persons have been hurt by church. And here's what you ask, what is even the point of church? Why I don't just stand on my yard? And watch church online. And just cut out church people and pastor and preach and deacon and bishop. What is the point? People go through those things. I mean, I, I go through those things. Like sometimes I feel like, what, what is the point, man? Like, like, the more you do, is the more cussing you get. If you do nothing, people cuss you and say you're worthless. You start to something, them say you're bossy and hype. You try to be in the middle, and next said call you lukewarm. So what is the point? Do you stay broke? Do you get rich? Or do you stay in the middle? Either way, <laughs> people are going to have things to say. So I have made up my mind. I'm going to do what God Wants me to do. Like I told myself, like this year, like this year that just passed, like some Sundays I want to wear my sandals and shorts to church. And my wife says, well, that is not for church. (laughs) So I said, then what is for church? What is the point of wearing a suit in Jamaica to church? When it's always hot. Like, like, seriously, what is the point? 
What is the point of having church clothes? What is the point of church clothes? Very interesting question you're saying that. You're probably saying that. Pastor, what is the point you're trying to make? <laughs> Alright, so now I'm going to get to the point. And there you go. Amen. Um, I have a couple of scriptures to share with you this morning. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 from 13 to 14. It kind of tells us the point of life and uh, Mark chapter 12 verse 30. I'm going to read one other scripture but I'm going to ask you to find those two. That's Ecclesiastes chapter 12 from 13 to 14 and Mark chapter 12 verse 30. Have around 30 minutes so let's see how much we can get done in the name of Jesus. Once you have found those I'm going to ask you to jump to your feet with me and just lift your Bibles up. As usual, let's hear a declaration and read God's word together. Come on, just jump to your feet once you... Uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 12 from 13 to 14 and Mark chapter 12 verse 30. Come on, just lift your Bibles up and lift them in the air. and You know, lift them like you really, really, really carry. Amen. Bibles up. Amen. There we go. Declare with me that this is God's word, not Pastor Omar's word. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be what it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are opened, and I better not go to sleep. I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, let me just read that for you from the New American, well, the New King James translation. The preacher gets to the end of his life. He is Solomon, and Solomon is writing, right? And Solomon had just spoken about everything. You think about it, Solomon had it. If you talk about security, he had it. Talk about money, he had it. You talk about ladies, he had them. Jewelry, he had it. If you call chariot cars, the, 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 the high-end, top-of-the-line stuff he had. And he had it all. He said, and if I wanted more, I could have. Anything else I wanted, I could have had. But I've had it all. You talk about you having swimming pool. He said, listen, I have reservoirs. <laughs> Alright? Understand. You talk about you have a palace. I have palaces. Alright? And my palaces are made of just gold and silver. I mean, everything, the interior is decorated that way. So talk about it. You know about my wives and my concubines. You can't do that. I have one for every day in the morning and in the evening. And one sometimes for late in the night. That's how we had it. And he said, if I wanted more, I could go six a day. But I just chose three a day. For every day for 366 days. Said when people eat in my house, they use silver and gold utensils. All of those things. And then he says, he gets to the end and he says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Because he called it vanity. 
He said his wisdom. All of those things that he had, it boils down to vanity of vanity. Then he says, let us hear the conclusion. In other words, what really matters? What's the real point of life? And he says, fear God and keep his commandments. For this is man's all. The only two things people need to do is fear God and keep his commandment. Life is simple. Anything else you add to that is going to complicate life. All you need to do to live life at its optimum level is one, fear God, and two, keep his commandment. He says, for God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. Matthew chapter 22, from 37 to 40. You don't have this one. You can write it down, and let me read it first. It says, Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So he comes and we get two things again. Fear God in Ecclesiastes, keep his commandment. It says, what are the commandments? Two things. Love God, love people. That's it. Life is simple. The point of life is to love God and love people. Of course, after loving God first. Mark 12 verse 30 says, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. Heavenly Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that you'll open our eyes to see your truth, our ears to hear your voice, our minds to understand your words, and our hearts to receive everything you have in store for us. God, we want to be more than mere hearers of your word, but do us also. Spirit of the living God, we decrease this morning so you would increase in our midst. Be magnified and be glorified. God, use me. This is your church. This is your people. This is your moment. We are the sheep of your pastures. So we ask you to speak, Lord, for we, your servant here, and we will obey that which you command. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much. What's the point of life? Life, I believe, has, um, it, it has three major points. And these three major points are connected and interrelated, but they have different levels of importance. And probably the best way to understand them is by looking at a triangle. And you're going to see that triangle. And at the top of that triangle is to love God. At, at the very base, is at the top, the highest priority is to love God. And then at the base of the triangle, at the two points, is to love people and to love yourself. Both are connected. To love people, you have to love yourself. But if you love yourself more than you love people, you have a problem. But you can't love people if you don't appreciate yourself and know who you are and love yourself. But at the end of the day, as important as these things are, God sits above them both. And everything flows from God. Love never goes up. Love always comes down. Love originated with God because God is love. So man, don't give God love. God gives love to man. Because God is love. And in return, man returns love to God. 
In the same way you return your tithe and your offering, it means that the whole earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. It all belongs to God and what you're doing as a steward is to give it back. Love belongs to God and we can only return what is his and love is God. Amen? So at the top of the triangle is God. In other words, that's the most important thing in life. If someone should ask you, what is the point of life? Love God. How do I know? Because the scripture said the whole purpose of man, the point of man's life is to fear God. Love God and what? Keep his commandment. Here's what scripture says. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. In other words, you can't keep God's commandment and by keeping it think you're going to love him. You have to love God and the love that you have for God compels you to keep his commandments. Amen? So let's answer two questions. Why love God? And how do we love God? Let's answer question one. Why love God? Why should man love a God whom man cannot see? Why? I haven't seen God. So how and why should I love him? We love God because this unseen God put man on the scene. Though you can't see him, even the man who don't want to call him God, the man who will never come into church will tell you that there is a creator. And he will tell you that something greater than him is the cause of his existence. So he knows and he will tell you that the only person he loves is the creator. So though we can't see him, we love him because he created us. The point of man's creation is to love God and worship God who created him. That's the reason we were made. The very purpose of God making us is to worship him. And that is why Adam walked and talked with God in the cool of the day. He was expressing love to God who made him out of his love. So why love God is very simple. Because that's the reason we're created. But, but how do we love God? And that's the struggle for mankind. We don't know how to love God. In fact, if I were to ask you, how do you love? I guarantee you that you'd all give different answers. I'm going to show you how strange this is. If you should ask your spouse to write down what is love. You know what some would write? Some would write, Baby, don't hurt me no more. Uh, some would write, Well, I don't have a clue what love is. Right? Everyone, almost everyone, have a different definition, a different understanding of love. So how then do we love God? What is loving God? How is that expressed? How do I know that I'm actually loving God? Scripture says, fear him and keep his commandment. Well, Mark tells us how to do it. How do you love God? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And that is simply saying, you need to love God passionately. Love him with everything. Why? Why? Because God loved us with everything. He gave us his all. Listen, 
Even your wife, your husband, your son, or your daughter. You can't love them completely. Say, so really, Pastor, how you can tell me that? You know, long me married. Go young bird, you don't know. Stop. You know, let, let me tell you why. When you started, have you, have you ever heard mankind say, I've grown in love with her, I've grown in love with him? Or I'm loving you more and more? Have your spouse ever said to you, I'm loving him more and more? Have they ever said to you, I've fallen in love? Well, we used to be friends and then we fell in love because the love was never complete. Listen, God didn't fall in love with you, God didn't grow in love with you. God didn't begin... Lo- listen, listen. God has loved you the same way every day from the first day. That's complete love. It's stable love. And no matter what you do tomorrow, that love stays the same. Even the marriages that are long, sometimes the people don't feel like, I don't love you, you know. God never... Fe- God, it is impossible for God to not love you. Because God is love. So in the beginning, how God feels about you has not changed. Why? Because while you were still a sinner, he loved you and gave his life for you. Do you know that he loves you now the same way he loved you when you were in sin? says, love him with all your heart, soul, and mind. The context of this verse is someone asking him, which is the most important commandment? Out of all the commandments in the scriptures. As you know there are 613 commands to obey. And that is for what every letter in the Hebrew alphabet there is a command. So what we get as the 10 commandments. Underneath each of those there is around uh, 60 other commandments that break them down. So for example when it gets to the Sabbath day. There, there are 60 other things underneath it. So you go six, 60 times 10 is around 600. And 13 more, so some maybe 62, 61. You understand what I mean? So 613 commandments in total. One for every letter in the Hebrew alphabet. And they ask him, God, of the 613, which one? He says, listen, just the two. And if you do these two, you'll be fine. So Jesus says, here it is. Love God with everything in you. With everything you've got. You have to love God because that's how God loves you. The only person you you can love with everything is God. You know why? Because God is perfect and mankind is not. People will fail you. Kids will fail you. As much as we want to love and that is the, the, the way we ought to love unconditionally, the only person that we can really love unconditionally is God. Because God will never disappoint. He will never fail you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. So therefore, I can love him with everything. Because there's no hurt in return. You see, so, yeah, you know, sometimes people hold on upon some of their love. They will tell her that, but I, mean, I can't give a hundred, you know, I have to give 99% because I have to keep 1% if things fail. <laughs> you know, you know, I have to keep 1%. And they said, listen, if you get married, you know, no, say me have a key back a little percent. Not, that is not 1%. Yeah, 99? Yeah, 99.99, 0.1%. Right? They, they have to keep, they have to keep a little bit left just in case things fall apart. With, with God, it is different. 
things are not going to fall apart. So he can get all our love. But what, listen to this um, from the expository Bible commentary. It says, God is to be loved completely and totally because he and he alone is God and he has made a covenant of love with his people. In the covenant, God gives himself totally in love to his people. Therefore, he expects his people to give themselves totally in love to him. So let me ask you this question. Do you love God totally? Do you love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength? Have you given God all your love? Uh, The message translation says it this way. So love the Lord with all your passion, prayer, and intelligence and energy. So instead of heart, soul, mind, and strength, it says your passion, your prayer, intelligence, and energy. It means God wants us to love him passionately. If you're writing down, you can write that down. God wants you to love him passionately. Passionately. It means that I am so in love with you, Jesus. There's nothing better. No marriage, no, no food, no money. And that's what Solomon found out. No matter how much wealth I acquire, the best days of my life will be spent loving God passionately. In Jamaica, it is okay to be passionate about anything except God. And that is not politically correct, right? To be passionate about God. For instance, I can be passionate about movies. I can be passionate about sports. I can be passionate about politics. I can be passionate about fashion and clothes. I can be passionate about restaurants. But I cannot be passionate about God. That's a no-no. In other words, the moment you start getting passionate for God, people say, yeah, you're a fool. How can a Christian this year? Oh, now go on, son, if you keep quiet. Now make up on a heap of knives and I jump up and I run about and I love Jesus like an idiot. You understand me? But, but if they saw you celebrating the reggae boys like that, they'd say, yeah man, as a real fan behave, as a real supporters behave. But, but when they come on to God, don't run, don't run, don't run, don't shout, don't, don't talk too loud. Because when they come on to God, don't be passionate. You, you see, you see, you see the person who loves fashion, you say to them, boy, may I tell you one thing, you know, I mean them, 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 no clothes, you know. I mean them, them, them no hot stuff, you know, them, them no, and, and it is promoted and it is elevated. A person, a person who loves politics, you call him, what do you call him? Um, what do you call it? A real comrade, that man. Real comrade. I tell you, them man, they die hard. Comrade. But you get passionate about God, something is wrong with you. So people have been cultured to not express their passion towards God. You go to work and say, me I tell you, I love Jesus like cook food. Me I tell you, me love, me love Jesus. Me just want Jesus right now. They say, what is an idiot here, but you want Jesus. You can't get Jesus. People tell us that. But if you walk in that same place and say, right you now, me, me hungry. The worm, them are wet my belly. I'm want some nice Chinese food. Come, I love Chinese food. Yeah, man, me feel the same way too. That's how people see it. There's something 
happen, that happens when you begin to express your passion for God. And it ought not to be so. If we're going to really love God with all our heart, soul, and mind, which is the point of life, then we must be passionate about it. You see, I think some people look at the idea of loving God and think we're talking about loving God like you love your boyfriend or your girlfriend. And that's not it at all. We're saying that we need to be excited about God even more than we get excited about all those other stuff. And we need to show that excitement and passion by loving God. So how do we do that? I'm going to help you. There are five ways you can do that. But, but f- because of time, I'm going to give you two this morning. All right? So there's a book by Gary Chapman called The Five Love Languages. Yes, somebody read it. Hallelujah. All right? And, and so what that book does, is it, it kind of teaches us that all of us have a dominant love language. All five work in us, but there is one that is very predominant. That one appeals to us. And many times they say, based on how you were raised as a child, that creates your love language. In other words, if you were one of those child or your group of children that growing up, you did everything together as a family. You had family time together. You spent a lot of time. You went to church together, sat around the table, ate and talked. All of those things. You're going to find that your love language is going to be quality time. Alright, that's one. Now, if you are the kind of person who your father or your mother used to come and say, Alright, baby. Alright, baby. Love you. You're here. And every time them come, them touch you and say, Come, give mommy a hug. Give daddy a hug. Alright, give, give mommy a kiss right here. Mm-hmm. Alright, you, your love language is going to be physical touch. Alright? If, if you're one of those uh, uh, kids that grew up and the, every day you get present. Daddy bring home the dumpling them when they never eat for lunch when mommy the bacon of the morning give you out of the shed pan and you end up eating it. You understand what I mean? But, but daddy always bringing something home for you. And mommy always bringing something. Hey, you know what? I bought a Bobby chocolate for you. Hey! There it is. And every birthday there is a party. And all Valentine's Day you get gift. Oh, because you just have to get something. If mommy get a basket of rose, you have to get a little tulip. You, you know what I mean? You just have to get something. So you grow up and your love language is receiving gifts. Amen. Now, now you grew up in a family where, guess what? You have to wash, you have to cook, you have to clean, you have to iron, you have to clean your room, you have an appreciation for acts of service. Alright. So we're going somewhere. <laughs> Alright. So, here is how it, then the final one is what you call words of affirmation. It means that all when you get zero. Oh, you are so bright. I know you are the brightest one in the class. <laughs> oh, you're brilliant. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I see the hundred coming. I see it by faith. I know that's a zero right now. By the time you go to school, teacher going to give you a hundred. You know what I mean? Words of affirmation. <laughs> Alright, so all of us like one of those things. The thing is that we make mistakes in relationships. Say, for example, that my predominant love language is words of affirmation. Uh, let me put it this way. A lot of women like quality time. 
So you, you buy them the most expensive gift. You buy them a brand new car. You change the ring after five years. You know, you buy them fancy stuff. And then they say, you don't love me. He said, we're just talking about. Then Valentine's Day, I'm going to buy you a brand new car. But we don't get to spend any time together. And you say, eh, eh. Then, then the car no account. You know how much we care? Because buying gifts does not feed their love language. All right, there are some other ladies that you bring home, our men, you bring home everything, come give them. Wife, come home and say, darling, you know what? I, I bought some, I mean, I bought some of your favorite juice for you. Here it is. A man say, favorite, oh, you see us one clean. Hey, you know, see, you know, see the clothes them no wash. Clothes them not iron yet. Don't matter what you do. If, if, if acts of services are not being done, your love language is not being fed. And so sometimes when we love, we love people how we were loved instead of how they want to be loved. You pick it up? So for the people who are married, you need to find out what makes your spouse feel loved the most and love them that way. Amen? If you're planning to get married, cock your ears. You're not ready yet. Alright? So, we're going we're to use these five things and cover how we love God passionately. So number one, loving God passionately means speaking words of affirmation to God. We speak words of affirmation to God. What do I mean by that? You talk to him about, you talk to him about him in ways that are good. Right? Words of affirmation. You tell him that, Lord, you're good. I thank you for all your goodness. Even in the midst of some bad things happening, you talk to God about him being good. God, you are great. You are mighty. You are strong. You are a defense. You are a shield. You are a shelter. You are a provider. You are a healer. Words of affirmation. You, you begin to speak those things. It don't look that way, but you speak that way. The same thing you do to your child. Listen, my, my kids sometimes don't do what I want them to do, but I don't get the and, and say, hey Nathan, I can give us a lick. You see what kind of fart is that? You know how much money we pay for his gold fee? You know how much for your shoes, boy? You know what we learned? You understand me? Come back in here with no farty. And see if you give around 40 bucks in your face. You don't do that. I said, Nathan, listen. You can do better than this. I know you're smart. I know you're intelligent. What is the matter? You're, you're a good student. I begin to speak words of affirmation. I don't have to speak what my circumstances says when I want to love God. I speak what I know about God and I know God to be. So let me ask you something. How do you talk to God? How do you talk to God? Because if you're going to speak words of affirmation, you have to know how you talk to him. How do you spend all your time? Do you spend it complaining to him? Do you make use of your prayer time just to let God know all the misery you are going through? Oh God, I don't know what I'm telling you. 
I don't know at all. No God come here. I can't bother with Jamaica right here now. Man, just also. Child, go business. You know, you know, you know, work. I buy a little taxi. I buy a taxi. I be a police. You know, see a robot taxi. God, but I be a police. I pressure me, pressure me. Son, the bank just call me. So, God, I can't bother them. I think that's my time. I just feel like, hey, God, I treat you not to know, you know, God. God, hey, hey, God. And then you have me have some people not to know. They pick them up. Go on, you know, God. Be a problem. They give me, you know, see how they be every man. They tell me, go a quote, you know, God. And yes, complain, 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 complain. That's your prayer. Lord of mercy, God, man. You see, you see me, they, nobody now come buy nothing. A whole week and not one customer not come in my shop, God. Jesus, a woman just a Jesus. And we complain, we complain, we complain. And this is our prayer. So I'm not saying we should not pray about the bad stuff and the hard stuff we go through. In fact, the Bible says we should pray about that stuff. But some people only pray about those stuff. Their purpose in prayer is simply to complain. And you know what? In some ways, they are blaming God for their problems. So let me suggest that you spend time talking to God about how awesome and how loving and, 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 and by being thankful for the good stuff in your life, even when you are going through rough stuff. Instead of complaining, speak words of affirmation. God, you are good. Lord, I thank you. In everything, I give thanks, God. You are a blessed God. And God, you are blessing me. I have life. Do you consider this? That the fact that you can open your mouth is enough reason to give thanks. It's just like if you live in your marriage or your relationship like that, you go mash up. So you come home and you get some food. Ah, dear, I thank you for cooking. I know you wanted some oxtail, but you get little curry chicken back. You say, dear, I thank you. But I don't know about this curry chicken back tastes like oxtail. Thank you. Harry, you know what you do? You come in, Harry, they are chicken back, chicken back, chicken back. Stop complaining. Speak words of affirmation because what oh how we love God is translating into how we love people. And if you keep complaining to the God Almighty, then what do you think you're gonna do with the relationships in our lives? Solomon says, Listen, the whole point of life is to love God. And if you're gonna do that, it is to speak words of affirmation. So let me give you an example from Psalm chapter 3. A psalm of David when he fled from his son Absalom. Want to hear that? David wrote this psalm when he was on the run from his own son. It's one thing to run from a wife or a husband. Or a cousin or an aunt. It's a different thing when your own child trying to take your life. This is what David is facing. Absalom was taking over the kingdom. And Absalom advisors, be careful you're taking advice, advice from, told him that as long as David his father was alive, he, Absalom, would never be king. Absalom said, well, you know, see a true not talk. Let's get rid of him. His own father. Some of you right now are facing some really tough stuff right now. It's different from other people. You're really up against it. But let me ask you, 
with all that you're going through, are any of you running for your life from your own child? Can you imagine the pain and the heartache David must have been through? The point I'm making that you haven't been through anything yet. When you consider what the men of God went through in the Bible, what you go through is a light affliction. Uh, people, I'm telling you, the things you complain about, in comparison to what Moses had to go through, David had to go through, Daniel had to go through, some of us, we haven't been through anything. So, so listen to David. David says, Oh Lord, how many are my foes? Psalm 3. How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. Verse 3 he says, But you are a shield around me, O Lord. You bestow glory on me and lift up my head. To the Lord I will cry aloud. And he answer me from his holy hill. I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear the tens of thousands drawn up against me on every side. Arise, O Lord. Deliver me, O my God. Strike all my enemies on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. From the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessing be upon your people. When you talk to God, you can be completely honest with Him about what you're going through. He knows it all anyways, so you might as well be upfront about it. Notice what David does here. He's like, God, I'm running from, running from my life, from my son. But he never stood there. He never got to, but I'm sorry to hear me have him in a God. I tell you, I can't have him son this. Because Solomon says, I must jack it. You understand me? At the worst day of my life. Worst. God, may I tell you something? I don't know. When I have the one of him, I know. See, I say, I come out. I train to know. David didn't go there. David just says, listen, this is what I'm going through. And then here's what he transitioned it to. He begins to speak words of affirmation. David says, you are a shield around me, God. You hear me when I pray, God. He says, Lord, you sustain me. He says, God, because you sustain me, I don't have to be afraid. He says, God, from you my deliverance will come. David didn't spend his time complaining. Those things were rough and he was going through major heartache and pain. He spoke words of affirmation. I can tell you this, that if you can't affirm the people in your life, you're going to destroy the relationship. And if you can't speak word of affirmation in your relationship with God, there's going to be a broken relationship right there. Instead of speaking about what you're going through, speak to God about who your God is. Just stop. Stop and shut your eye. Close out your mind from all that is happening and begin to look at God's word. Say, God, I thank you. The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. The world and they that dwells therein. You are the king of glory. You're mighty and strong. You're a keeper. You're a shield. You're my strength. You're my deliverer. You're my savior. You're my friend. Yes, you're going through stuff, but begin to speak words of affirmation. Yes, David spent some time complaining, but the bottom line is, is that God is there no matter the circumstance. You see, we all go through tough times and hardship. Sometimes we go through things like the Apostle Paul made him despair to the point of death. But let me ask you something. If 
all you do is complain. How many friends are you going to have? I can tell you, if you like to complain, you probably realize that your friend list is getting lower and lower. People don't tend to flock to people who just complain all the time. Even if their complaint is legitimate. No one likes to just hear complaining at all times. And you know what? God doesn't like to hear it all the time either. Because God is always up to something good. God is always doing something good. So God is saying, while you may raise a complaint, don't stay there forever. Because there's always more for you than there against you. There's always more good things happening in your life than bad things. I guarantee right now, if you were to make two lists of things... All the bad things that are happening. And all the good things. You'd have more good things. I- I'll tell you this. You can just start with your body. You're, you're seeing. You're hearing. You're feeling. You're tasting. You're walking. You're smiling. Your heart beating. Kidneys working. Lung working. Liver working. Heart working. Brain working. Y- y- you understand? Y- blood flowing. With your body alone, you have more reasons to give thanks. You have clothes. You're out walking in church in clothes. You had a shower this morning. Possibly. Right? Some of you already baked Christmas cake. People are out there who don't have an oven. God is saying, you're complaining that after you bake the fruit cake, the oven break down. Some people don't have the oven yet. Really, think about that. Begin to speak words of affirmation. Because even in the most dire situation, there's a reason to give God thanks. Re- a reason to love him passionately by expressing words of affirmation. Amen? God wants to hear you. Thank him for what he has done in your life. And he has done more than you know, by the way. He wants you to tell him how great and awesome and holy he is. That's what praise is. He wants to hear that you acknowledge who he is. And that you appreciate what he has done for you and he deserves it. Tell him these things. Give God some words of affirmation on a regular basis. Why? Because nothing should change your love for God. That's why you love somebody passionately. You see, people in the secular world, they write songs about this. You know this song? It says, nothing is going to change my love for you. I'm always going to say how much I love you. I don't know the rest of it. But, <laughs> but what I know is that the song is saying, nothing is going to change my love. When it comes on to you, God, no matter what I'm going through, I'm going to love you passionately. Can you imagine you're with somebody and every time something goes wrong, they change their love for you? That's what we do with God. Every time things get bad in our life, we change how we feel about God. We begin to complain instead of pouring out our passionate love on him and begin to tell him how much we love him. So next time you're going through some stuff, you begin to say, God, I love you. Oh, how I love you. God, I love you because you're great and you're mighty. You're a miracle-working God. Speak words of affirmation. The second way we love him passionately is by spending quality time with God. 
Amen? You have to spend quality time with God. Right? This means giving God your full, undivided attention for an amount of time. Your full, undivided attention. We call it devotion. Devotion is devoted time. It is uninterrupted and undistracted time. Your devotion time is your date with God. You're going out on a date and your devotion is a date. God is the person who is inviting you and you join him on the date. Now there are certain things that if you do on the first date, you don't get a second one. If you go on a date and you're on your phone, texting and talking, you're not getting a next date. In fact, that date may be over. Right? So it means that if you are with God in devoted time, you can't have a phone. Texting and talking. Let, let me just ask, because maybe, maybe I live in a different world. Would you accept your date on the phone while you're out? Here's the other thing. Have you ever been with them and they say, who are you talking to? Nobody. So if they're talking to nobody, what that makes you? So, so, so you are out with somebody and for the entire time, the somebody you're out with is talking to nobody. What does that make you? Well, if they're talking to nobody and not you, that means you can't be nobody. You must be below. Nobody. That person is not worthy of your time. So you can't say you're giving God devoted time and you're on your phone. You can't say you're giving God devoted time and you're cooking. You can't say you're giving God devoted time and you're washing. You can't say you're giving God devoted time and you're cleaning. Devoted time is time devoted to God and to God alone. So how much time you spend with God is between you and Him. Meaning that it is better to do 10 minutes of undistracted, uninterrupted time than to do one hour doing a whole lot of things and say you're serving God. So here's what I do. Start with 10 minutes. And get that right. Before you go to an hour. But make sure it is undistracted. Uninterrupted time. This means taking some time away from the distractions of life. And spending time with God. In Bible, in the Bible and in prayer. You have a couple of things right. I do this uh, marriage seminar. And I was there with my wife. And we did it together. Uh, Regularly, it's a little time as well. You know, I kind of negotiate with the organizer that, listen, if I come here, we need to get a little extra time so we can spend some time. And they showed me some favor. So, you know, we were walking up and down, holding hands and all of that, enjoying ourselves at the seminar. And then we came back home. And then everything went back to normal. Work. Work, work, work. So I said to my wife, Lady Stennett, it looked like only a hotel we can't hold hands. <laughs> said it in jokes. So she said, it looks so. So we need to, we need to spend more time. A hotel. <laughs> Such a funny conversation. Right? But... But the point is, the point is, 
it is, it is so difficult to have my date with my wife at the house because it's going to be destruction. It is the same way there are certain places you can't have your devoted time with God because it's going to be distracting. Let's take a walk together down the ocean shore hand in hand you and I. Let's cherish every moment. I don't know anymore. I just, they just gave me those lines. I didn't know any songs, so I had to ask somebody in the church to find some songs for me that align with what I've said. But they only told me the first verse. And then so, so the idea of that song is, that's what we need to do with God. Take a walk together down the ocean shore, hand in hand, you and God, and cherish that moment. In other words, all you're hearing is the waves. It's you and God alone. You can't, listen, it would look so awkward for me and my wife to hold a hand and walk up and down in our house. <laughs> so let's, let's, let's walk up and down. <laughs> oh, let's, let's move from the kitchen to the living room. Oh, baby, this is, this is so romantic. <laughs> no, you know why when people go in on a date, you know what they do? They leave their houses because they know if they stay home, somehow they're going to want to watch TV. Somehow they're going to see some piece of dirt that needs to sweep up or wipe up. Uh, somehow there's going to be distraction. So they say, you know, you know what? In fact, some people say, you know what? This thing is getting out of hand. Let's make a date night. And they, they choose a night and say, that's a date night. Let me give you an next example. So, the, my phones, one of my phones are used to do the videos. And so they have to put on do not disturb whatever notification thing. Don't even know. But people are always calling me in church. While church is going on. And they say, Pastor, you need to tell the people to stop calling you on Sunday. I say, I ain't telling anybody anything. Because the phone from 7 a.m. to 1 p.m. is not going to be answered. Because here's the thing. My mother has passed. And my father is not going to call me. My brothers and sisters won't call me. And my wife is here with me. And Jesus is already talking to me. So whoever you are, you are right. Because here's the thing. If you're going dead, if I can't pray for, pray for you if you're still alive, then I'm going to try to pray for you to be resurrected. Because there's nothing. I'm not a doctor. If, listen, if you're sick, listen, the time you take a call me, you call Jesus. Because your prayers and my prayers have the same power because they go to the same God. And whatever I can do afterwards, do it can happen in between. It, it can happen, but it can happen afterwards. God don't work according to our time. The point I'm making because this is my devoted time to God. And so when you go to some workplaces for you to concentrate, you know what they do? They take away your phone. Why? Because they know if you have your phone and you ping. Oh, I don't know about it. <laughs> they ping. Oh, somebody. Let me see what I say. Let me text them back. <laughs> I would just, every second of my call me, I'm not answering it again in a month. Ping, ping, ping! 
You know, say, I lost time this. Ping! And, and it just keep going on and on and on and on. So the company we work for, they know that the best thing to do to get you not distracted on the work is to take your phone. If you're going to spend time with God, He's more important than the work. Put the phone down. Uh, don't bother telling me that Jesus on telephone. You don't need your phone. Turn off the television. Get a quiet place. Go on and eat the breadfruit tree. Bring a chair. Tell the kids to stay in their room. You're going to spend 10 minutes with God. 20 minutes with God. Amen? Amen? So here's the thing. You have to listen to him speak to you through the scriptures. And speak to him about what you're reading and thinking about in the scriptures. And about what you're going through. No, no, here's the thing. You have to learn and understand. You have to make time for this. You have to make a conscious decision to make time to spend time with God. You have to actually write it in your planner every day in order to make it happen. You have to do that. Every day in my phone and on my computer, I have something that comes up that says quiet time. It means it's devotion time. Right? And I make that my A1 priority every day. But, but, but you know what? I don't always spend that time. Not good. I'm going to be honest with you now. Sometimes I'm doing my thing and I see it come up and it says quiet time. And I say, Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm doing something right now. And I can't get away from it. I'm, I'm telling you. I don't always get it right. Though it's there. Even if it's in my planner. It's hard for me to make that time. Even though I'm a pastor. And pastors are supposed to have this phenomenal, awesome, supernatural relationship with Jesus. That nothing or nobody can touch. I get distracted. I get distracted by stuff. See, I have people calling me for one reason or another. It's like some people just time you. Like, like them just time you. You, 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 you just lie down now and do a thing. But as soon as I say, all right, let me just read some Bible, you know. Them just call you. And if you answer, you're going to have a conversation sometimes that's going to distract you from where you were. See, I have tasks to perform, phone calls to return, meetings to plan, follow up on decisions made in those meetings, counseling people in person and on the phone, and all that sort of a stuff. You see, though, I mean, it is my job to study God's word, to bring a message every week, but that's not the kind of time in God's word I'm speaking about. And in prayer, I'm, t- I'm not talking about going in to see what God wants to do in terms of sermon. I'm talking about uh, spending time with God, to refresh my own soul, to reconnect with God who loves me and want only what is best for me. I'm not talking about just reading my Bible so I can prepare a sermon. I'm talking about reading the Bible so God can refresh me and reconnect me with him. Because here's what, this won't last forever. But you know what will? My relationship with God. So you know what is the priority of my life? It's not the excellence of my preaching. It is the excellence of my relationship 
with God. I tell people every day, I would trade preaching to build an intimate relationship with God. Because this is not, this, this is not who I am. I am a son of God. That means my relationship with him comes before preaching a sermon. And if I had a choice, I'd say, God, to be with you than to be in a pulpit. So I have to spend time to do that. Even Jesus had to make time to be with his father away from the work of ministry. He says in Luke 5.16, But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. I need that. I need time with God. And that has nothing to do with the sermon for the week. And so do you. You need that time with God. Away from the distractions and the hassles of life. It will benefit you. And it will honor God. It's a great way to show your love for him. But let me give you another motivation for spending time with God. It's because he wants to spend time with you. Church, listen, the good news is that God wants to be with you in as much as you want to be with him. The worst kind of situation you can be in is when you want to be around somebody and they don't want to be around you. The good news this morning is that God is as passionate about you as you are about him. God wants to spend time with you. He wants you, both of you, to, 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 to be together, to spend time, to get to know each other so you can speak to him, share your heart with him. Not that he doesn't know, but he wants to hear your voice. See, God loves you more than you'll ever know. And he wants to spend time with you, talking to you, giving you wisdom, giving you comfort, giving you power to live for him. And all that kind of stuff. To fill you with the power of the Holy Spirit. To let the gifts of God work in your life. So make time to have quality time with God. That is how you love Him passionately. Two things. You love Him passionately by spending quality time with, with Him. You love Him passionately by speaking words of affirmation to Him. What is the point of life, church? To fear God and keep His commandment. What does that look like? It's simple. Love God. If you love him, you keep his commandment. How do I love God? I love him with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, and with all my strength. What does that mean? It means simply this, to love him passionately. And I love him passionately by speaking words of affirmation. I love him passionately by spending quality time with him. I don't want you to waste your life running down things that won't last forever. All of us should spend our life doing what matters most. You don't want to make the same error that Solomon made. Solomon get to the end of his life and said, listen, after having all of these things, it's all vanity. Can you imagine like God were to turn up right now and he said, God, I've done this. I've done that. I said, God, I've, spoke, I've done over 5,000 sermons. God says, that's all vanity. I said, God, you know, I have, I have two good sons. What's that? I said, God, boy, you know, I have a car. What's that? I have a house. That, that's nothing. And he said, depart from me. I never knew you. And that new right there is a word that means yada. It means that you never had an intimate relationship with me. 
the whole point of life, the reason why we exist, all of this is so that we can love God. At the end of the day, your life will not be measured by the things that you possess. Your life will be measured by who possesses your heart. Let me say that again. At the end of the day, your life will not be measured by the things that you possess. Your life will be measured by who possesses your heart. And I know that the one who ought to possess our heart is the Lord God Almighty. Do you speak words of affirmation to him? And do you spend quality time with him? I'm going to ask you to stand with me. I'm going to invite the worshipers to come. And I want to challenge you this morning to to, to recommit to what is important. I don't have a problem with people working. I don't have a problem with family. I don't have a problem with marriage. But at the end of the day, what matters most is to love God and to keep His commandments. Come on, just lift your hands this morning. And I want you to open your mouths and, and begin to pray. So Lord, today... I recommit my love to you. I will love you passionately. I will love you with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength. So Lord, I, I commit this morning. I make a conscious decision of my will to spend quality time with you devoted time undistracted and uninterrupted time this Lord I'm putting away every hurt every pain that I've been carrying for the sake of this love relationship with you have been done wrong maybe you feel like life has done you wrong maybe maybe church has done you wrong maybe the job has done you wrong so that's not the point of life so lord i'm leaving all of that because the point of life is is not dwelling on the hurt it's not dwelling on the pain it is to fear you and to keep your commandments Come on, with your hands lifted. I love you, Lord.